I'll be in Romans chapter 8. I will be speaking about being at enmity with God. But before I get to there, and I'm glad that Kara sang that song. I did not know she was going to sing that because it helps me know what I, I need to do. And this message come about this week uh, in light of, I guess, what's been going on in the Olympic Games. That lady uh, disrespecting the flag. And I, I didn't like that. I don't like that. You don't volunteer to represent a nation and then get out there on the world stage and disrespect our flag. Uh, that's why our American flag is there. I'm, I'm proud to be an American. I'm, I'm proud to live in the good old USA. And yeah, there's a lot of things I don't like that's going on in America today. But I'm going to tell you something. I would not disrespect that flag. Uh, my father served. My father's father served. There's been many people that just, they shed their blood. They paid a sacrifice, died an early death, so we could be here today. And I'm going to tell you something. That's worth respecting. That is worth respecting. With that said, have you ever wondered what happened to the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence? Five signers were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons serving in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. They signed and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. What kind of men were they? Well, 24 were lawyers and jurists. 11 were merchants. 9 were farmers and large plantation owners. Men of means, well-educated, but they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well that the penalty would be death if they were captured. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debt and died in rags. Thomas McKean was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. He served in the Congress without pay, and his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him, and poverty was his reward. Vandals or soldiers looted the properties of Dillery Hall, Clymer, Walton, Gwinnett, Hayward, Rutledge, and Middleton. At the Battle of Yorktown, Thomas Nelson, Jr. noted that the British General Cornwallis had taken over the Nelson home for his headquarters, and he quietly urged General George Washington to open fire. The home was destroyed, and Nelson died bankrupt. Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The enemy jailed his wife, and she died within a few months. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside, as she was dying, their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and his gristmill was laid to waste. For more than a year he lived in forests and caves, returning home to find his wife dead and his children vanished. So take a few minutes while enjoying your 4th of July holiday and silently thank the patriots. It's not much to ask for the price they paid, and I agree with that. 
uh, this week as I seen that's how, how that played out in the news media. And I'm, I'm not vocal. I didn't get on Facebook and ran. I'm not going to do that. But, you know, in the back of my mind as a pastor, I, I, I wondered if maybe some of you, my folks, my people, maybe the people that's watching me said, you know, I wonder how the pastor feels about that. Let me tell you how I feel about it. I'm against the burning of the American flag. I'm also against disrespecting our flag uh, like was done this week in the Olympic Games. I, I don't like that. I think she should have been disqualified immediately, carted off and sent back home and possibly sent to prison. That's how I feel about it personally. I don't think it's right. Uh, if you don't like America... Go to a country you can be proud of then. There's no other country I can think of that I'm more proud of or be a part of than America today. I sure do enjoy religious liberty. I understand we had a hard time last, last year in the, in the light of the, this pandemic. I get it. I, I understand safety. But it sure was nice to know that we could assemble. And yeah, there's been some churches face some heat and, and, and be jailed for it and, and facing lawsuits, but at least they get due process and they'll fight that in the courts and more than likely win. And I understand things are changing, but I'm still proud to be an American. And, and, and I want us to be able to enjoy our families and enjoy our freedom this evening. But then it began to make me think about as Christians, we should be equally proud. I love to see our folks, these kids, wearing the church. I, I didn't know that that would go over like that. Uh, the kids and the people, I think some of the folks was wearing their, their Trio Life t-shirts uh, Wednesday night. And, and they, 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 they want to be identified. And if you're ashamed of your church, you can't be identified by their church, then you need to find another church. Absolutely. And I want us to have a church that you're not ashamed to identify with. But also Christianity. I don't think we should be ashamed of Christ. And the Lord said, if you're not ashamed of me, I won't be ashamed of you. And I believe today that there's a lot of people that love the benefits of Christianity, just like that person there in the Olympics. I can't think of her name. It's Gwen something. She sure likes the benefits of America, but she don't want to be identified with it. Boy, that's a disgrace. But I believe it is just Something we can see that tells us what the condition is of Christianity. Christians, a lot of Christianities today, or Christians today, they want the benefits of salvation, but they don't want to be identified with it. They don't like that. And I believe that's a problem. And I believe here in our passage of Scripture, I'm going to pray and then we're going to read some Scripture. But verse 7 will be my text verse today in Romans chapter 8 about what God says. And He's talking to save people here that we got to be careful not to have. And that is a carnal mind. Because the Bible straight up tells us that a carnal mind is at enmity with God. And I guess that's what sparked this. I believe there's people that are truly saved, just like that lady's an American citizen, but she don't want to be identified with the flag. I think it's a disgrace. I think it's wrong. I don't think it's right. But I also equally don't think it's right when it happens in Christian with people. That's why we got a Christian flag. I'm a Christian, and that's, that's the Christian flag. We got a Bible here on the, on the podium. And, and when I grew up, we pledged allegiance to the American flag. Then we pledged allegiance to the Christian flag. And then we pledged allegiance to the Bible. 
We pledged our allegiance to it. And see, we're losing that today because we're all wrapped up into this autonomy of the individual supersedes all. And it shouldn't, especially when it comes to Christianity. Now let us pray and let us read some scripture for some context and ask God to work with our hearts today and our minds. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now. Lord, help us today. Lord, help us, each and every one of us. Is It's a possibility that we could begin to adopt a carnal mind and walk after the flesh, even though we're not supposed to. And even though we're blood-bought and saved, we could, in our actions, be at enmity with you. And Lord, help us not to do that. And I think you're giving us a warning here not to come at enmity with you, Lord. Help us in that today in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Wonderful passage of Scripture here. If we was to have read back in Romans chapter 5, and I might preach from Romans chapter 5 next week or Romans 6. I want to say Romans chapter 5. We would find that there's four kings that would rule or can rule in the life of an individual. One is sin. This other one is death. And that's in the life of a lost person. There's two kings that rule in the life of a lost person. But in the life of a saved person, grace and righteousness should reign. And we learn about that in chapter 5. But also in chapter 5 we learn about the blessings of justification. Being justified in Christ. But we would also learn what we're saved from. And that's what I want to preach about. Lord willing, next Sunday is what are you saved from? Salvation. But then we get to chapter 6. And in chapter 6 teaches us when we get saved, we're delivered from the power of sin and death. They're no longer reign or should they reign. Chapter 7 tells us though, even though we've been set free from sin and death and sin should not reign in our lives and we shouldn't continue in it, there's still a battle that rages where the Apostle Paul tells us a personal testimony that the things that he would do, he doesn't do. And the things that he don't want to do, which is talking about the sin and the carnal things, he finds himself doing. I'd rather eat at a Chinese buffet than witness for Christ. Now that's sad to say that I'm more in tune with the carnal side of things and there's a battle that rages within each and every one of us that are saved in here that we would rather do something carnal uh, than something spiritual. We'd rather do something for ourselves than something for God. And that's a battle that you're going to have to face in your life. And it's something that you will face every day. Romans chapter 7 talks about that. And we don't always win that battle, do we? I see today, there's a lot of people that didn't win that battle. Look around. We should be running 50 to 60 people in here. I mean, that's what we generally run. We had 53 a couple weeks ago. What happened? Well, I believe that we got more people that would care than we would care to admit that are too carnally minded. But chapter 8 teaches us in this battle that we're in, that every one of us is engaged in. The battle between carnality and the spiritual things of God. What God wants us to do and what we want to do. He tells us that we should not walk after the flesh. Verse 1, there is therefore. 
in light of everything that he just said, and I summed this up, now there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So that's a believer. You can't be in Christ unless you've been born again. And then he says, who walk not after the flesh. See, a child of God, somebody who's saved, can walk after the flesh. They can choose to walk after the flesh. Even though they're not in the flesh no more, they want to walk after it. But they're in Christ. And he says, look, now that you're born again and you're in Christ Jesus, if you don't walk after the flesh, there'll be no condemnation for you. That word condemnation means God's disapproving eye, uh, where you come under the judging hand of God. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. We've been set free from that. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled again in us. Who walk not after, that means you're following behind, the flesh but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. He's teaching us something about this. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, he's talking to believers, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Now that word enmity, that's old English. We get our word enemy from it. And it means intense hostility. Or the state of being an enemy. And he says, these Christians in this church, some of them had adopted this posture of being at enmity with the things of God. I find that to be a pretty prevalent problem today in what we call Christendom, where people want the benefits of salvation. They want the benefits of Christianity, but not the identity of Christianity. And let me tell you that. Why, that's why discipleship is so important. Because you've got a lot of people that have been born again that don't know who they are in Christ and what to identify with. And I'll tell you why they don't want it. It's because the cross, there is an offense in the eyes of the world to those that are going to line up with the gospel. Men try to water it down. Preachers and theologians try to include everybody. But let me tell you something. You're going to have to come by the way of Calvary if you're going to see the heaven's pearly gates. You're going to have to come God's way. You're going to have to come through the way of God's truth. And you're going to have to live the life that God says we should be living. And that brings us to our problem because people do not want to be identified 
with Christianity and therefore they begin to follow after the flesh, carnal. And God is telling us here, He is warning us that when you adopt that posture in your life, when you are more concerned for the things of the carnal life, and remember this, the carnal mind is after the things of the world. And you care less about the things of God. So we should ask this question to the Scripture. What is the carnal mind? If having a carnal mind, that's your thinking, how you think about things. If having a carnal mind is enmity with God, what is a carnal mind? A carnal mind is your thoughts and your cares and your aims that are of a worldly nature. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 says this, As you you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith. Again, he's talking about discipleship and about training. As ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving, be aware. He says, be on guard against, or be aware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. Boy, there's a lot of philosophies today, ain't it? A lot of worldly philosophies like social justice, humanism, evolution, and all those isms that are being pushed and propagated, which are nothing more than doctrines of devils. If it does not line up with this book, if it goes against this book, you can rest assured it comes right out of the pit of hell. That's the carnal mind, and we've been warned not to be spoiled. I think everybody understands what getting spoiled. You ever had spoiled milk? That means something got into it, and it spoiled. It went bad. I can generally tell about two days before it actually goes bad by how it tastes that it's getting ready to go bad. And I'm rarely wrong on that. If you've ever drank any bad milk any time at all or sometime, you're like, You leave meat out. (laughs) be careful at your 4th of July parties and that potato salad and coleslaw you leave that stuff out in the heat and the sun too long go bad you don't want food poisoning on the 4th of July it'll go it'll spoil now they tell me it ain't the mayonnaise that goes bad but it's the onions onions absorb uh, impurities around them I don't know if that to be true but be careful about leaving stuff lay out in the sun or out on the table too long it gets hot oh it'll make you bad sick what is the carnal mind but nothing more than the love of self me first that was what was going on this week at the Olympic Games me first Oh, they believe in loving thy neighbor as thyself. Now, I just wrote some things down. I didn't steal this off somebody. It's just how my mind works. They'll believe in loving the neighbor of thyself, but love thyself first. You know, I've actually heard people say that. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And so then they'll commentary and say, but that means love yourself first before you can love your neighbor. So if there's any other love left over, then you can give the leftovers to your neighbor. That's not what God said. But if you've got a carnal mind, that's how you'll think about it. 
The Bible says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, and all thy soul. Where is everybody? I think somebody's got some carnal minds. And they don't, might not even be realizing it, but they have postured as an enemy of God. When there should have been reconciliation. When there should be peace. But they don't want to adopt the identity of the Christian life. You know, part of a carnal mind is do unto others before they do unto me. That's not what the Bible says. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Don't do unto others before they do to you. There's another philosophy in a carnal mind. Do what feels right. I believe there's some people that made a decision not to come to church or to find themselves in any church at all today because they just wasn't feeling it. Wow. They don't want to adopt the identity. It ain't real to them. They're an enemy. You say, but I know they're saved. Yeah, but they've postured against the Lord. And that's a danger zone. Ephesians 2, 3 says, Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh. So I believe that a carnal mind is a mind or a person that is controlled by their feelings, their lusts. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. That's your identity when you're lost. But if you're saved, you're not to have that identity no more. You know, I believe Demas in the Bible. Remember Demas? Paul wrote this about Demas in 2 Timothy 4.10. For Demas hath forsaken me. You think Demas might have forsaken the assembly of ourselves together? I think that's what Paul was talking about. He's forsaken me, having loved this present world. I believe Demas, though he might have been saved, adopted a carnal mind and came at enmity with God. I believe that the love of the world is a carnal mind. The Bible is clear to tell us in 1 John chapter 2 and about 15 verses 16, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any love the, wor the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now the love of the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Remember that? You know what those things represent? When a person has a love of the world and they have this carnal mind, the lust of the flesh is that driving desire to do. Well, I want to go do this. And I hear this a lot. Well, I just want to do this. And I want to go do that. And I want to go do this. How come you never want to do anything for Christ? I, that's why I felt so strongly led of the Holy Spirit of God to start this youth a choir, because if we don't teach these children how to sing songs and how to worship God and how to properly interact in church and that they come to be a blessing to others and to edify others, the devil sure has a program for them. 
It's important that your kids come to church. It's important that they're here. I understand you might get frustrated. Well, I'm all the time taking them to the nursery. I don't really get to enjoy the service. It's not all about you. But you're teaching that child. You're, you're setting a pattern. Do you understand I still wake up at 5 every morning? I drink my coffee, read my Bible. You say, what is that? That was a pattern that was instilled into me when I was just a young boy. Uh, you know, I get up every Sunday, every Sunday night and Wednesday night, and I go to church. I don't even guess it. I never have the conversation, well, am I going to church today or not? You say, but you're the pastor. You're saying I can't have those thoughts? What, am I above that? Absolutely not. But it was a pattern that was taught to me. It was a discipline that was instilled in me from a child. And the Bible says when you train them up in the way they should go, when they're old, they won't depart from it. I believe that to be true. And I believe a lot of our children have departed because that's what you train them to do. Because you had a carnal mind and you were in enmity with God. The love of the world, the lust of the flesh is a driving desire to do. Doing things is not wrong. I'll tell you this little story. Friday, I felt inclined to drive to Knoxville. I thought I was going to pick up my suit. I had ordered a suit. Caught him on sale at Men's Warehouse. And by the way, I like RJ. RJ's the guy I deal with there in Men's Warehouse. He is top notch. If he, he will find a deal that fits your budget and you look good. Actually, I think, what was this? 19 bucks? $29? $29 suit jacket. Nice. Blazer. Nice. Good sales. I was going up there. I got an email that says my order's in. I didn't read the email. But it hit me all of a sudden, you need to run to Knoxville. I told Jen, we're going to Knoxville Friday. She says, I ain't. And so I pounded my chest. I'm the head gorilla. You got to go. No, she said, I don't, I don't, I don't feel, I'm not feeling it. I'll stay around here. I'll do things around here. And I said, okay. So I knew it was going to be a solo trip. And so I run to Knoxville. I go see RJ at Men's Warehouse. I said, I'm here to pick up my suit. He said, well, did we call you? I said, no, I got an email, man. Like, cool. He goes back here. He comes out, and he's carrying a pair of pants. Is this all I can find? I said, those ain't mine. I said, RJ, don't you remember? You only have one customer. That's me. I had a special ordered suit. They made me a suit, gave me the sale price, and made it for $320. That's not bad, folks. In light of my dad paid 900 and some dollars for the suit I bought, he bought for me about four years ago. And I wasn't given $900 for a suit. I bought that gray one I had from RJ, Ms. Warehouse, for $219. That's, that's a Ralph Lauren suit. It was on sale. Man, I felt fancy. I felt like a movie star. Ralph Lauren? Oh, I don't know who he is. I've never had a Ralph Lauren suit. This is good point is I pulled up that email because that's going to prove RJ wrong and I read it and it says your pants are in well that'd be Will's pants 
So I knocked on the door. I said, RJ, he's back there. I could hear him fumbling around. Oh, no. I said, RJ, I'm wrong. I said, only the pants are in. I did not get an email from my suit. He's like, oh, man. Oh, that's great. And so I pick up the pants. I get back out in the car, and I'm thinking, I wonder why I'm here. I know there's no accidents with God. And so I thought, I know why. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I need to punch in five-star Chinese buffet. That was my first thought. I wish it wasn't, but it was my first thought. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's Chinese. Now, that's the carnal mind. See, it happens to us all. I wanted to go do a Chinese buffet, but a good one. There's no good Chinese buffets around here. Not in Morristown, there aren't. And if you know of one, you let me know. And no, the Golden Dragon is not a good Chinese buffet. I only go there when I'm desperate. But I assure you that's not Chinese cooking that. I've had enough Chinese food to know. Come on now. The best I found is Asian One Emma's up here. I'm not trying to advertise for these people. I'm just telling you how a carnal mind thinks. You're pastor. So I'm thinking, Chinese buffet. But there was something inside of me that says, I didn't run you all the way up here so you could go do Chinese buffet. And I'm thinking, so I sit. I got to call Jenny and ask. No. <laughs> I called Jim because I knew Joe's father was being transported to Park West Hospital. I said, get a hold of Amy, because I called Joe, and I texted him, but no response. And I figured, okay, he's got his phone off. Maybe they're in surgery. I don't know. But then I began to, it, it began to dawn on me, they're not going to let me into that hospital. I'm not going to be able to get in there. And then this little voice, just a gentle push, says, if you'll go, I'll bless you as you go. So I plugged that into my new little TV that's sitting in my car. I don't know what that thing is. It's got a great backup camera. But it has maps because I plugged my phone into it and it downloads my phone. My phone's on this screen. And Park West was only seven minutes away. So I went. I couldn't get a hold of Joe. I didn't know. I walked in, valet parking, free, loved it. Walked in, the lady says, who are you here to see? I said, I'm here to see Mr. Sweeney. First name, please. I said, I don't have one. So I figured, yeah, they'll run me out by about now. She says, I'll get it figured out. Ten seconds, she had it figured out. I says, he's on the third floor and room such and such. I'm like, wow. So I went up the elevator, had me a little mask on. It's good to wear a mask in hospital. You don't know what all is in there. And so I went in there. I said, I need to see Joe before I go into that room. They were down in the cafeteria. So the nurse told me that. And so I went down the cafeteria, found them in the corner, and just poof, appeared. According to what Joe said, <laughs> where'd you come from? I said, the Lord sent me. Say, Why? Well, because Todd wanted to do Chinese buffet, lust of the flesh. 
But the Lord says, you're in Knoxville for a special purpose. And I want you to go see Bob Sweeney in the hospital and pray with that man. And I did. What a blessing that the carnal mind did not set me at enmity against God Friday. Now, I understand that's light, that's little. But that's how quickly we can transition from walking in the Spirit and being Spirit-led and being carnal-minded and following after the things of the flesh because you know I love Chinese buffet. And if anybody knows one, a good one, let me know because I like finding those things out. But then we got the lust of the eyes. That's a burning desire to have, covetousness. Oh, I got to have this. I got to have that. I got to have, oh, I need it. I need it. Like kids when they go down the cereal idol. They spit around on the floor screaming, ah, I got to have it, got to have it, got to have it. And you got to give it to them or they ain't going to be quiet. Of course, that stuff never worked with my dad. Back in that day, <laughs> there had been two of us on the floor spinning around. Me and dad on top of me. Give me a beat down right in the store. Of course, that would have never happened because that happened in the house. So I knew better than to pull that trick in the store. That's just free on the side note. But that lust of the eyes. But then he got the pride of life. That consuming desire to be somebody. That's a carnal mind. And that's the world. And we're not to pursue or walk after that or to chase that. Because it sets us at enmity with God. Now, let's get to the effects. What are the effects? What are the side effects that will happen in your life and my life if we have a carnal mind? Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. Say, oh man, what's he talking about? I'm talking about everything in your life falling apart. I'm talking about anything you try to touch or do. There is death. There's an ending to it. It doesn't prosper. It doesn't abound. It decreases. Because you're at enmity with God. And God's not smiling on you even though you're His child. Just like you do with your children. In my life, I've personally watched people who were saved, but they adopted... A carnal mind, and they come to ruin. Their families were torn apart. I could sit here and the, end, the rest of this service name you families that I've known that everybody else thought were good people, strong families that are not even married today and their kids are running the way of the world. Torn apart. Children gone from God. Friendships destroyed. I was friends with a lot of these people. I knew them. I was better than friends. We were church members, but they're gone today because they let a carnal mind. They adopted the posture of enmity between them and God, and God quit blessing them. It worked death in their life. Verse 6 says that when you're carnally minded, there'll be no peace. Do you have problems with peace? And I mean, I'm talking about the inside mental peace. Like, oh no, I take a lot of pills for that. There could be an issue. You might have a carnal mind. And you've lost the peace that comes with salvation. Verse 15 says that 
There's bondage, for we have not received the spirit of bondage. There are people that I know are safe that cannot get victory over addictions and vices in their life, and I'll tell you why. They're too carnally minded. And they're at enmity with God. And they're in bondage to the devil. And anytime the devil wants to jerk their chain, he takes them captive. And it's all because they're at odds with God. They're a castaway. They're a demas. They were good for a while, but then a carnal mind began to dominate their life. And now they have forsaken the church. They have forsaken family. They have forsaken their marriage. They have forsaken their children. All for a carnal mind. And it has them in bondage. But verse 15 says, Great fear. Again, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Fear overwhelms a Christian that has a carnal mind. The fear of the unknown. Anxieties. The Lord says, be careful for nothing. That means be anxious over nothing. Now I could take a little dose of my own preaching. I've worried about everything I could have worried about. From now to three years in the future, now I'm borrowing into the fourth year and the fourth year troubles. Now we have no idea are going to come to pass or not come to pass, but anxiety. See, you, yeah, it's something I must keep in check. And the older you get, the more you worry about things. And the Bible is still true. Be careful for, for nothing, but in everything by prayer. There it is, prayer. I spent an hour of praying on the way to Knoxville. Not over the Chinese buffet. I never did get to the Chinese buffet. But I did get Chinese. <laughs> but it wasn't a buffet. I got a happy box. I like happy box. It reminds me of a happy meal. It also reminds me of a happy place. So I like the happy box. And I have... Developed a taste for wasabi. I like that stuff. A little green stuff, it opens the sinuses, but I like it. And I like those little California roll, whatever that stuff is in there. I like that stuff. And of course, you know I loved deep fried chicken and sweet sauce. General Toes, they call it. It's just deep fried chicken nuggets. <laughs> but that's the effects of the carnal mind. But he gives us a remedy. Now, here's where I want to focus, because we can all adopt a carnal mind. And it's part of the Christian battle. We don't win every day. I'm glad Friday that my carnal mind did not win against the spiritual mind. And that I chose, it's a thought, it's, it's a choice, to follow after the things in the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I spent 10 minutes in the mall parking lot trying to weigh all that out. It wasn't something that I just click, click, click and did. I, I tried the spirits on that thing. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to do. But I had spent that time in prayer. And the Holy Spirit, there was a closeness there. And he says, no, you must go see Bob. Oh, and I did. Here's the remedy. We found it in verse 1. we got to have to walk after the Spirit. If you've been born again, 
You're in the Spirit, but you need to walk after the Spirit. That means you need to pursue the things of God, like I pursue Chinese buffets. I also have a great affinity to barbecue, and I will go to different places. I used to do that every Monday. That's been about five, six years ago because I needed a whole lot of comfort on a Monday. And so I'd Google a whole new barbecue joint. Brother Terry's helped me a few times, and I've went to some of the places. said, well, one place was so good, I think it was 12 bones. I even brought him back some. It was that good. So you got the preacher spending his own money to bring somebody else a rack of ribs. It must be pretty good because I'm pretty selfish. But that happened. But that's how we're supposed to walk after the Spirit and pursue the things of the Spirit. Number one, walk in the Spirit. Now here's what I want to teach us today. Turn back to Romans chapter 6, verse 13. I believe this to be the key. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. See, you can choose to do that, but he says don't do that. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying the Bible uses the word yield. Now, in my studies... The word, to my knowledge, in the Bible programs I used, the word surrender does not show up. I assure you the word surrender don't show up here when he's talking about yielding to the Holy Spirit of God. If you're saved, this is a choice. Now, the word yield is different than surrender. You've probably heard the preacher say, you need to surrender yourself to the Lord. You need to surrender to this. If he's talking about unconditional surrender, I got it. But as a general rule in the English language, when you use the word surrender, that means there are conditions. Even in a time of war, if one side's fighting the other side and they say, we're going to have to surrender, but you've got to meet our conditions of our surrender or we'll fight to the last man. That's generally how the word surrender is used in our English language. When you surrender to somebody, there's generally a condition. But when you use the word yield, there is no condition. You see, he said yield to the Holy Spirit. Yielding is different than surrender because yielding is, I have no conditions. And we are to yield as saved individuals to the Holy Spirit of God. Matter of fact, I'll go so far as to say this, when it comes to getting saved, it's important that you yield yourself to the working of the Holy Spirit of God. There's too many people that want to surrender and they have conditions. I've heard them pray this prayer. Well, if you are the Lord, then I'll trust you. That's not yielding. That's a surrender with a condition. You don't come to God with conditions. God does not accept conditions of surrender. You either come, you either yield, you come His way. There are no conditions. And in the Christian life, if you're going to have the peace of God that passes,
passeth all understanding, you're going to have to yield to the Holy Spirit of God. And that means there's no conditions. I didn't make no deals with God Friday. Lord, I'll go see him if you let me eat at the Chinese buffet. I'll go see him if you make six paydays um, in the month appear. That's a surrender. That's not a yielding. That didn't happen. That wasn't in my mind. We're spending too many times or too much time as individuals because we're too carnally minded trying to dictate conditions to God and we're at enmity with God when we should be yielding to the Holy Spirit. The key to walking after the Spirit is yielding. That's no conditions. So here is my question. Have you surrendered your lives to Christ with conditions? Is that why you're not in for Jesus? Is that why you want the benefits of God, but you don't want to be identified? You're no better than these people that want to turn their back on the American flag. You're no better than the people that want to burn our American flag. You're no better than the people that want to spit on our founding fathers. That's not right. But I'm telling you today, there's Christians that are doing that same thing to the cause of Christ and to the body of Christ, and they are at enmity with God. And I got news for you. If you stay at enmity with God, I promise you, if God tarries in the next 10 years, I will be using you as an illustration and a message. That is dangerous ground to be at enmity with God, to have a carnal mind. When you come and surrender with conditions, you need to yield to the Holy Spirit of God. You need to come to God and yield and give your life over to Christ. If you're lost, that's how you got to come. If you're saved, that's how you're going to have to be before God can ever do anything in your life. If you don't have peace, if you don't have joy, if you're full of anxieties and fears, there's a good possibility you have a carnal mind. And you've lost that joy. You've lost that peace because you're chasing after the things of this world. They're more important to you than the things of God. And that's wrong. And it cannot last because it works death when you're at enmity with God. Let us stand this morning.